Well, we have uh, endeavored the last five weeks, four weeks, uh, to go over the, the solas of the Reformation and uh, to inform us of what they were and in, of their importance. Into this fifth week, we are going over um, God gets the glory. God gets all the glory. Him and Him alone. There is no one besides God that gets the glory. And so our text this morning, we're going to be in a few places this morning, but our main text is in Romans chapter number 11. And we'll turn to Romans chapter number 11 and verses 33 through 36. That is where we'll find ourselves this morning. And uh, we'll read that and then we'll pray. Oh, the depths of the riches of the depth of his wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or, his, or who became his counselor? Or who has first given him what, is, what might be paid back to him? And this is our main text. For, uh, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray and then we'll study this word. Lord, we thank you so much for your word revealing who you are to us. We thank you for the songs and the, the men and women that you have uh, given the ideas and inspiration to uh, through your word to write such uh, magnificent songs about you, to praise you. Lord, I pray this morning that you were lifted up, that you were glorified uh, in our song service, in our Sunday school, in our conversation. And Lord, I pray that today, I would do justice in uh, sharing the word about how wonderful you are and how deserving you are of all praise and all glory. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, through studying and, and so on, I, I came, I decided I wanted to see what society says the purpose of life is. What is the purpose of life? And so I started to look around and, on different sites and so on, and I actually came across the site where a man asked the question, what is the purpose of life, and asked for comments. Please give me a comment on what you think the purpose of life is. And I, I'm going to read some of those. Uh, and, I, and I've said this, this is what society says, the purpose of life. Now, I don't want to mislead you into thinking that no one on the page gave glory to God. Uh, but out of the hundreds of comments that were on there, there was very, very few. And even the ones, there was a few that did give glory to God. Um, but it was God gets the glory and this and this and this and this and this and that. So they added a bunch of stuff, plus God should get the glory. But for the majority of it, it was statements like this. To, ex uh, to, to express love for one another. 
So the entire purpose of life to this person and, and to a lot of people is to express love to one another. That was one comment. Eleanor Roosevelt, the purpose of life is to live it, to test experiences to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear for, uh, for newer and richer experiences. That's the, the purpose of life. It is something personal. This is said by another person on there. It is something personal. It depends on the thoughts of each person and their religion and their experiences. So society says it just kind of depends on you and what you, what's your religion and what you're convinced of in that way. To take care of our needs, to take care of our needs in cooperation with others. The law. I'm not sure exactly what all of that, how that works into the purpose of our life, but our purpose to this person is that we need to take care of one another and live by the law. The purpose of human existence is to learn and to understand as much as we can of what has come before us so that we can further the sum total uh, of human knowledge in our life so that we can basically, we need to learn as much as what we can from the past so that we can give it to those that are coming after us. That is the purpose of life. Happiness is the meaning and purpose of life. I'm sure we've all heard that. The whole aim and end of humanity's existence is our happiness. The entire purpose of existence is to overcome our negative habits. The entire, the only reason we exist here is to overcome our negative habits. It's up to me, uh, it's, you see, it's up to me, and it's uh, to bring happiness. So it's up to each person to bring happiness to, to people. Another one on happiness. With our talents, we are to uh, we with our talents we are to make this earth a better place. So the purpose that we are here is to use our talents to make the place a better place to live in. And if we don't do that, our mission fails. That was their statement. The last one, I think, the person was most honest said, "Certainly nobody knows." <laughs> Certainly nobody knows. And so society says that there's all kinds of purposes for living on earth. And that uh, it, it's about our happiness. It's about human experience. It depends on the religion you're in. What's interesting to me is there's so many different purposes, right? There's one world where we're all the human race, but yet we have so many main purposes. The, to the, chief, the chief purpose of life, and there's hundreds of ideas out there. The last one I think summed it up. Would, if Without the Bible, we don't really know what the purpose of life is. And I believe that 
this is something that when they were dealing with the five solas and, and giving praise to God, this is something they were dealing with as a societal idea of the purpose of life is something other than what Scripture says. And uh, the, the church that they were dealing with in that century was uh, giving high praise to the leader of the church, the Pope. And it was, we were praising, they were praising and giving uh, great glory to them. And I will tell you, as one of the pastors of this church, if you over, if you praise myself, Tyler, or Jeremy uh, above God, or, or give us any praise that is not due, and, and, and take away from God's glory, you are wrong. We are not here as, as pastors of this church to lead you into praising one of us. We are here to point you to praise and glorify our Savior and to worship our Savior and to acknowledge Him. But in that day, uh, and, and still present, if you, if you look on how the Pope is treated at any country he goes to, it is like he is God on earth. He's some royalty, right? And it's, it's stealing from God's glory. And that is something we never want to do. Now, in preparing a message on the glory of God, we could probably preach a two or three month series on this and because there's so much in Scripture. And as I was begin to, to, to study and say, okay, where is my key, my key passage for today? We could have gone off of what Jeremy read, right? And probably I had, I think on my desk, I had about seven or eight passages. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to go with that one. And then I start studying and reading. And I, no, I'm going to go with this one. No, I'm going to go with no. And so I just had to say, I'm going to choose one and go with it. And so that's where we ended up here in Romans, okay? So I don't want you to think this morning's message is a deep, in-depth study on how we should glorify and worship God, because there could be hundreds of different directions we could go. But because this is tied in to the solas, I want to make sure that we understand how they work together. So society says all of these things this is the purpose of God. God says... The chief purpose of man is to glorify God. That is our chief purpose. If we have a purpose to be on earth as humanity is to glorify God. We will talk about that in, uh, as we get into the book of Romans here. But I wanted to point out some important elements to God. Uh, to the glory of God alone and how it works with the other solas. Sola Scriptura, if we take anything outside of Scripture as the authority of salvation and, and apply anything outside of Scripture and give it the same importance as Scripture, we are stealing from God's glory and we are no longer glorifying God through Sola Scriptura. And so Sola Scriptura's aim is to glorify God. The Bible was written by God and therefore its aim is to glorify God. And so Scripture alone is glorifying God. That is its aim. 
And so God is glorified in that faith alone. If we come to a saving knowledge, which we can't, but if we think we can come to a saving knowledge of Christ in any other way except through faith alone, we are stealing from God's glory. It is faith alone gives the glory to God alone. Do we understand how this is making sense on this sola? Wraps it up and ties this, this five solas up very uh, important aspects of each one of these are all pointing to the glory of God alone. If we have works, if we do anything, we talked about this in our Sunday school class this morning in Romans, how works steals from God and that we cannot work for our salvation. We work in our salvation to glorify God, but we cannot work for our salvation. It is a free gift, and it glorifies Him. Grace alone. It is God's grace alone that we are saved. Completely and through Him is our salvation through grace. And if we think grace plus works, grace plus I'm a good person, grace plus anything, it steals from God's glory alone. So very important that we understand there is only one way to salvation, and that is through grace alone. And then obviously Christ alone. Christ is the central theme of the gospel. And His glory is what glorifies God. We see that through Scripture where if the Son is glorified, the Father is glorified. And the Father glorifies the Son that works in harmony. And if anyone says, well, God, or Jesus, well, he was, he was a good prophet. It's a good, he was a good guy. We can learn good things through the Gospels on how to live a good, a good life. You're stealing from God's glory alone. And so the four solas are tied up beautifully on their focus on everything is to God's glory. The Scripture and salvation. That is what the, 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 the important aspect of life is where do we spend eternity? And that's with Christ. That is a central theme of the entirety of the Bible, is God's redemptive plan. And anything that adds to that is stealing from His glory. And so this morning we're going to get into the book of Romans. And we, will, uh, we have a few verses to turn to. But I want to point us to this passage to get us to a place to understand when we wake up in, uh, when we go to bed at night and sleep through the night, it is because of Him. When we wake up in the morning and get dressed and go to work, it is because of Him. Do you understand this morning that when they get up and they go out to riot and burn cities, and torture and to do all kinds of wickedness, God is sustaining their life. They can only do that because there is a God. 
Every aspect of our life is to be to His glory. And when we understand that, especially as a believer, it means so much to us. Now, the people that go out and live a life that is of sin don't give God the glory. But God is still glorified in them because they have life. They have sustaining life. <coughs> because everything is through God. Verse 33, it talks about the depths of His riches, of His knowledge and wisdom. There is it's so unsearchable. We will spend an eternity trying to learn about the depths of His wisdom and His riches of His love and His mercy. An entire eternity. Someone asked a, a teacher, a child once asked a teacher, how long is eternity? The teacher thought, well, and I, and I might have given this illustration before, but the teachers thought, well, um, how, do, how do I explain eternity to a child? And so he said, well, let's think of it this way. A small bird, God releases a small bird onto a beach. Small bird onto a beach, and he picks up one grain of sand. Okay? An entire beach picks up one grain of sand, and that bird, God gives special powers to fly all the way to the moon. And he drops that one grain of sand on the moon and then flies down to the beach again and picks up another grain of sand. And he does this until there is no more sand on the beach. And that's one day of eternity. Okay? So you can understand eternity just keeps going and going. And why I make that mention is that length of time, which never ends, we will still never learn about His awesome riches and glory and His wisdom. That is a big God. We like to put God in our box because then we can understand who He is, right? We want to bring Him and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to shove you in here because then I can understand you, right? I can understand a God that fits in here because I can make Him to what I want. But try to shove our God into a box. It doesn't work. We will spend eternity. Is it not on? Hmm? It's not on? It's green. I don't know what else to do if it's not green. You can turn me on here. I'll just stand still. <clears throat> um, depths of his riches, of his love, his judgment, is, is, it's, we cannot know it. Who can know the mind of our Lord? And who has become his counselor? We like to think we can counsel God, don't we? You know, I could give God some advice on how to handle this coronavirus here, you know? Um, you know, I, I mean, in my wisdom and knowledge, I, I could tell God how this should really work out. We like to think that we could give our wisdom to an almighty God that knows everything. Who has become his counselor? And then in verse 36, it says, For from him... From Him. 
In Colossians chapter number 1, verses 16 and 17, Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, invisible or uh, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If you were confused upon who created the world and who holds everything together, or if you have someone that maybe asked you that question, you can point them to this verse. This verse clearly states that God holds everything together and that He is the Creator. If you go to, and I don't have this on our screen, but if you go to John 1.1, it talks about Jesus is the Word and it talks about it in verse number 3 that He is the Creator of all things. In Revelations chapter number 4, Revelations 4, it says, Worthy are you, this is what's going to be said in heaven. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory. He is worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And because of your will, they exist and were created. This is the God that we talk about is our sustainer and as our provider and ultimately is the one that has bestowed salvation to you and I through his son. This is the creator. This is the God that deserves all glory and all praise. When we think of creation, we sang about, we sang um, the last song before the, the message, not the, the uh, or how great thou art. When, when we sing that, it talks about when through the woods and the forests and the glades, uh, my family and I were able to just take a short uh, couple day trip up to Yellowstone. I hadn't been there before, and so it was really neat. And man, I tell you what. If you cannot be awestruck about our God, when you go to Yellowstone, and we went through Yellowstone and came down through the Tetons, the little tiny mountains there, um, <laughs> you're, you're, you, you, you have to be blind to not see the magnificence of our God in Yellowstone and in the Tetons and in just the driving of seeing. Uh, we were on our way back, we were coming through, uh, what, what city? Uh, where we saw the eagle. Jackson Hole. We were driving through Jackson Hole and we we're coming up next to a, a river and Jessica noticed that an eagle swooped down onto the, the, the water and, and grabbed a fish and, and pulled it out. Amazing, beautiful sights. We were able to see buffalo from a distance. How majestic is our God? When you get away from the cities and you go, are, can you guys see the stars really well from, the, from your farming area? Now that you're out of the city. When you, guy, when, you go to the, uh, when you go to the mountains or whatever and you get away from the lights and you look up to the heavens, how majestic is our God. And God spoke the stars and the planets into existence. 
This is the power that we're talking about. This is the God that we glorify. This is Him. It's a good study for every believer, I think, to do, to study, uh, not to worship, but to study our planets and our stars. Because sometimes we, we see even around us here, uh, and we, we still think we can put God into a small box. When we see big mountains and awesomeness and, and the oceans, but when you understand that God is bigger and he is the one that created a star that can fit billions of the earths in it, then it gives you a magnitude of this is not a small God that we are talking about. This is the God that has created everything and he is the one in these verses that says deserves all glory. And then the next part of verse 36, it says, through him, through him. So from him, all things were created and, and through him. And in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, it says, yet for, for us, there is but one God and father from our uh, God, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. He is our sustainer. We've talked about that already this morning, but these verses are important for us to understand that we don't breathe a breath. We could not make it here this morning or do anything if it wasn't through Him. God causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Men, of, men and women across our nation and across our world, every single one of them is given life through Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about new life. I'm not talking about salvation. That is true, but not every person. But every person is sustained in their body, physical life through Christ. Through Him, all things. Wouldn't that cause us to glorify in Him? So often we wake up in the morning thinking, I sustained my life. I took a pill last night and it's supposed to give me extra days of life. There's a, the man that um, we, we know of. Um, my wife's met him a few times. And, and he, he's a brilliant man. A brilliant man. Uh, and God has given him the ability to create great healthy supplements out of what God has created. They're all natural supplements. But he's made the, the statement that if you take these, you could live to 150 years old. You could live for longer than you're supposed to have lived. And, and I don't want to speak ill of him. This is what he was uh, portraying in his business. And, and I truly believe he thought that if you take these, that you can. He just passed away at 70-something years old. God will not be mocked in the fact that there is nothing that sustains life outside of Him. He is the one that sustains life. And we are not to put our trust 
It doesn't mean that we can't take supplements, and I think we should. God has given those to us. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't go see a doctor. Be careful on which ones you go to, but um, it doesn't mean that we should not go to them. We should. We should use the resources that God has given us, but we don't trust in the resource. We trust in God because He is the sustainer. And it says, it talks about that in Romans chapter number one. We went over this just a few weeks ago in Sunday school class where it talks about they worship the creation instead of the creator. And we fall into that trap ourselves. We worship things around us instead of worshiping the God that created it. And then the, the next part of the verse, it says, it says, from him and through him and to him are all things. God is to be, God is the focus of everything on earth. Whether you think he is or not, God is the focus of everything. Everything points to him. Everything. There isn't, name me one thing that doesn't point to him. You say, well, how can you say that? Because everything is to him. That's what it says. He is the focus of everything. Good or bad, everything points to Christ. Now, the, the last part of this verse is what the, the, the thrust of the message is about. So it talks about who he is and, and how he sustains us. So he's the creator, he's the sustainer, everything points to him. And then the last phrase of the verse says, To him be the glory forever. Amen. To him be the glory forever. This is the same idea as it talks about eternity. He is supposed to get glory today and throughout eternity. We have some verses, uh, and, and we could have many on this, but this is just a few that I grabbed in Revelations chapter number 7. In verse number 12, it says, Amen. Blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So that's two eternities. So it's a really long time. Eternity is already a long time. This is forever and ever. Okay, so his glory never runs out. Romans 16, 27. This is the last verse of the, of the book says, to the, to the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory forever. Amen. To the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory forever. Amen. And then in 2 Peter 3.18 says, but in the grace of and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the end of eternity. Is there an end to an eternity? No. 
both through the days of eternity. There is, it's just, it's endless praise. We are to constantly acknowledge Him. This morning, I want to focus just for a few minutes on understanding salvation and how salvation through the five solas is what brings God the most glory. Because it is an entire work of Him. And we've gone through this in detail in our, in our sermon series, but I just wanted to make sure that we truly understand that when God blesses us with salvation, and when we receive the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, He is glorified. And when we add anything to it, our own works, our own thoughts, our own actions, when we add anything outside of it's a work of God in our lives, we steal from His glory. The Reformers, as, as I've read over the, the past many weeks, and listen, the Reformers were so concerned and so consumed that every aspect of salvation was wrapped up in glorifying God and that we could do nothing of ourselves. It is an entire work of God. So when we live our lives this morning, church, when we live it out in our communities, when we live it around one another, when we live it around our families, when we live it in our inner circles or in our outer circles, we should focus primarily, fully on the glorifying of God. The verse says, whatever you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Everything in our life. Now, I'm not going to stand up here this morning and try to tell you that I am uh, really, really even good at this. Okay? Uh, I, I'm probably very poor at it. Uh, uh, some of you might know, some of you might not, but I, I uh, have a construction company. And if you've worked around construction people, that it's not always a glorifying experience. Okay? Um, and, and, I, and I find myself often uh, feeling like, oh, what I did today did not glorify you. The, the motto, and, and this isn't something that I want to, uh, to praise myself at all for. I, I just, the, the motto of our company, and I try to live up to this and I fail miserably. But my motto of my company is not to make the customer happy. It is to glorify God and the customer gets the results. Now, that, that's something that I, I, I put together and, and I try to live out. And I want you to understand this morning, as believers, we are going to fail in our glory of God. We are not going to always be able to glorify Him <coughs> at all times. But we ought to strive for that. 
And when we aren't glorifying Him and when we aren't giving Him the praise and the glory for whatever happens in our lives, we need to recognize that and stop and pause and say, Lord, thank you. When we read Scripture, we should say, Lord, thank you. When we go through trying times, we should say, Lord, thank you. I'm still alive. I still have breath. I still have a family. When we go through great times, this is often when we forget to praise Him. You know, the country right now is going through a really hard time and you see people wanting to go back to church and you're seeing a, a desire for church like we haven't seen in a while. But when things turn and start getting better and coronavirus kind of disappears and the riots subside and we'll go back to, well, life's normal. We don't need to worry about God now. We'll wait until life gets bad again and then, oh, wait, there, yeah, let's, let's think about God. I was a young college student. Um, uh, and I, was, well, I was 18. I was younger. Um, during the, the, the tower attacks, there are 9 11. It's coming up here shortly, or the, the remembering of that. And for you that were old enough to remember the, the circumstances that happened around that time, people were flooding to the church, right? All the world's coming to an end. We've been attacked. And the churches were flooded by athletes and movie stars. And it lasted a couple weeks. And, you know, the, it, the, it went away. Because we are so trained as a society and as humans to be self-reliant. And Scripture clearly points us to Christ is our sustainer and our Savior. And we cannot function in life without Him. I've said it many times. I don't know how unbelievers deal with super tragedies of deaths and, and, and cancers and so on. Because they don't understand they have a God to go to. And as believers, we are so privileged to have a God that sustains and takes care of us. Doesn't mean that life's going to be on easy street. As I look out on our, our faces this morning, I see and I know of tragedies that have just occurred. And, and I know of tragedies that they're dealing with in their lives of homes. As I look out on our faces this morning, but God is a God that sustains you through the hard times. He's not only the God on the mountain, He's the God in the valley. And because He is that God, He deserves all praise and all glory. So I hope this morning was an encouragement to this morning. If you are struggling with giving Him praise and glory, I would encourage you to reflect upon it and say, I need to understand everything is because of Him. If you're wondering, how important is church? Give a little plug for church. It's pretty important. Christ talks about church. He died for the church, for the people. Because we are the church. This building isn't. 
This building has problems. It's great this week. I'm glad I wasn't Tyler last week. I don't know how I would have done that. <laughs> Tyler had to preach through an inferno last week. It was really hot in here. But this building has cracks and holes. and it, This isn't the church. We are the church. And we need to gather. I'm so excited to see the, the house of God filled this morning. But if, we, if you're wondering what is the importance of church, it's of the utmost importance because God puts importance on it. And we should put importance on the things that God puts importance on. That doesn't mean if you miss that you fall out of graces. We all miss from time to time. We have reasons that we need to. But if your desire is not to be with the people here, to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ, your desire is not to glorify God. You can say, well, I glorify God up on the mountaintops, you know, in his creation. He's glorified through that. You can do that. But he's also glorified when we meet together as a body of believers. Amen. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for um, just who you are. We can't say enough, Lord. The, the words that I used this morning don't even scratch the surface of who you are and how we're going to spend eternity learning from you. And Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged this morning to give you the praise the glory for every aspect of our life. And for those of us that have trusted you, that we, we can boast in nothing but of you because you are our Savior. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, that they would come and talk to us, and that we would be able to share the truths of your word. And in your name, amen.